Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing well out there. So good to see all of you. If you're guests with us here today, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, if you're joining us online, thanks again for spending some time with us this morning. If I'm glad to meet you, my name is John Crawl. I get to be the teaching pastor here. If there's ever anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. And make sure you come to that fall frenzy. It seems like it's going to be a fun time. So looking forward to that. So a few weeks ago, I, or I guess it's only a couple weeks ago now, I was doing some homework with my, my oldest. Uh, his homework's nice and easy. He just has to read to us every, uh, for 10 to 20 minutes every night. It's nice and easy, right? And so we were uh, sitting there listening to him, and I was listening to his story. And uh, Normally I don't see the words because he's reading to me, but I knew this story well enough to know that, man, this story sounds really interesting. It's, it's making sense, but those are totally not the words. And the thing is, my kid, he's so smart that he gets the gist of the story enough, he can make up his own story on the spot, and he knows all the words. It's not even that he doesn't know the words. He just is, his attention span is so short, he doesn't actually want to take the time to read every single little word. So I sat there, and I'm like, man, what do I say? I think, I think we need to address this, because at some point, this is going to come back and bite him, right? He's going to miss some little word or something that's going to change the complete meaning of what he's reading. So we need to talk about that, that he has great strength in his word knowledge and trying to figure out what something says. And he's an incredible reader. He really is. But he's got to actually take the time to look at what it says. And it made me think, what is it called when the pages of the book say one thing, but we actually say they say something else. It's still true, it's still kind of in line with the story, but it's just not really the whole truth. Think about your own life, think about it personally. What is it called when the pages of your story say one thing, but you present them to say something different? I would say it's safe to say that we call that hypocrisy. We, our story is one thing, who we are is one thing, but what we present is another. And that's a word that you've heard thrown around, especially at churches, right? Those that are outside of the church, and even those that were our former insiders, they'll throw it at the church. The church is full of hypocrites. Why would I want to be at such a place where everybody just comes together and pretends to be way better than they really are? Why do I want to come to a place and just pretend to be uh, better at something that I'm not than what somebody else is pretending that they're not better in? We're all just pretending. What's the point? And maybe that's your struggle. Maybe that's why it's tough for you to get to church. You've struggled. You've seen the dark side of things. You've seen how messed up people are, and it's impacted you. Maybe it's why you can't find that church to settle in at, and you keep hopping around trying to find that one that's not full of hypocrites. Maybe you're on the other side of things, and you hear someone say, the church is full of hypocrites. You go, it sure is, and I'm one of the worst. Maybe you're the one that walks in here with a smile on your face, but inside you're empty and broken. Maybe you walk out there and the world will look at you and your neighbors and your friends will look at you and admire you and go, oh, to only be them if I could just be them. While on the inside you're praying to be them. Where is it for you? Where does your hypocrisy start? I think it happens in all sorts of realms of our lives. If you were to judge your hypocrisy level, it's right on your outline. You could do that. How hypocritical are you? And I would challenge you that at the end of this message, look and see what you circled, because I think you might circle a safe number right now, because you're a hypocrite. <laughs> and you don't really want to fully admit what's going on in you. See, a hypocrite is simply this. It's, it comes from a Greek word, hypocrites, right? It comes from the Greek word, which means a stage actor, someone who literally wears a mask, 
to perform for the sake of an audience. Think about your life. How often do you think about, man, what I'm doing is really just for the sake of others. I'm just trying to put on a show for them. Our staff, we've been getting together planning for 2019, and a few of us were talking the other day as we were doing that. It's amazing how many, how many times in our lives, no matter how old we get, no matter what goes on, we catch ourselves wearing a mask, just putting on a play for the people around us. Again, it can happen in all areas of your life. Maybe as you think about the, the parent or the spouse that you portray in public and everybody thinks, man, what a good husband, what a good wife, what a good mom, what a good dad, but behind closed doors of your home, it's so much harder to keep up with those self-imposed expectations. Maybe for you it's at work and you've been successful and you've, you've tried really hard and you've, you've done a really good job and everybody looks up to you as, man, you are the successful one, you've done a great job, but inside you're just dying because you don't know if you can keep up. You don't know if you can keep producing like you used to. Maybe you're a student and you're under all this weight and burden and everybody around you thinks, well, what a great student, what a great athlete, you've got it all together. You have so many friends, but on the inside, you walk around with so much fear and anxiety because you don't know if you can keep it going. And you're afraid that it's so fragile that it's just about to fall apart. How about in your spiritual and emotional life? Are you the one that everybody comes to for advice and you share your advice and you share your wisdom and you point to how well your life is going because of your faith, because of what's happening? But in the deep, dark places of your life when things aren't going well, you run back to those old habits and those old sins that you used to have. Where is it for your life? We have it when I say we all are hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. Even I as a pastor, it's such a struggle to continue to live out my life in a way to be open, to be honest without, with, with, without having fear that it's going to somehow hinder my witness to you. So many seminaries teach new pastors that are coming up, you can't be open and honest with your congregation. You need to set an example for them of what it is to live a life in Christ. The problem is to live the life that they're calling you to is fake and it's not real. Because the world is full of sin. I'm full of sin. I struggle. There's no way I can present to you a life that's not that. I joke that the reason that I don't have a little fish symbol on the back of my truck is because I don't want anybody to judge Jesus based on my driving. <laughs> or when I'm at McDonald's, I look around, is there any church people here? Because I don't want them to go, well, there's my fat pastor. Getting his Big Mac. Good job, big guy. That's the way to do it. Or how about when I'm at the pharmacy and I look around to see if anybody's going to see me refill my antidepressants? Or how I naturally drive around the back to park in the back of the building where my wife and I go for marriage counseling? When I say we're all hypocrites and we all need something to change, I mean it, we all need something to change. It's not because I'm proud of how messed up I am. It's not because I'm proud of what I struggle with. It's because I know without admitting to what I struggle with, I can't receive all the grace that I really need. And this is what Jesus is going after in our text today. See, what we've been studying, what we've been talking about is that Jesus wants to do so much in your life. But in order for him to have the space and the room to do what he needs to do, there are things that he needs to undo. 
And hypocrisy is one of those things that he needs to undo in each and every one of our lives. It's what he was addressing in Matthew 23, our text for today, uh, which is on page 828. And the chair Bibles that are either underneath your seat or in front of you, you're welcome to open up your own Bible. Matthew chapter 23. This is where Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day, and it's his Woe to You series. Sounds exciting, right? Always want to buy one of those books, the Woe to You book. Very uplifting. This is what Jesus was doing. This is what he was talking to them. So we're going to read, like as you can see, some portions of this. Here's what he says. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Do you notice he's talking to the crowds, the disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. I mean, they're the ones that are in charge. They're the ones that are declaring what God's law and rules are. Now listen to what he says. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Sound like a hypocrite? They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Anybody bring their phylacteries with them today? <laughs> okay, so you have no idea what that means. All it was, it was, it was a leather... A leather box, they literally would hang and they would carry around with them that would contain God's law. And so they'd make it bigger and bigger to show, look at how many laws I'm keeping today. Look at how I'm being faithful today. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It says, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is just leveling the playing field. So they love to have all these great words thrown at them, but they're really nothing without God. And neither are you. Go to verse 25. It's on the next page. This is where Jesus begins his very uplifting words to the Pharisees. He's talking to them and says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Look at Jesus making the case to them. This is who you are, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. You look one way on the outside, but inside. You tell people your pages say one thing, but inside. That's not the case. Let's jump to verse 33, because this is where Jesus gets really serious. There's some powerful words. He says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? I think we read those words, and I don't know about you, there was a, there was a movement a little while back, and it's still out there, where uh, people would say, Jesus is my homeboy. Have you ever seen this? Hey. I don't know about you, but I can't read, you brood of vipers, how are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? I go, he's my homeboy. This isn't the warm, cuddly Jesus that we so like to hear about and talk about. 
But this is the Jesus who is calling it like it is. He's calling them out for what they're struggling with, for what needs to be addressed. And here's the thing. Jesus said a lot of things to people. He did a lot of things in his three years of ministry. Not all of them are in this book. So we ask ourselves a question. It's pretty clear why he said it to the scribes and the Pharisees. But then why was it written down for you? As we think about this, as we think about our life, our life full of hypocrisy, our life full of struggles, we ask ourselves, what's Jesus telling me? What's Jesus telling me? What's the answer to my hypocrisy? What's the answer to how I live my life and I pretend that it's so much better than it really is and inside I struggle? I said the answer to that is twofold. The answer is that Jesus wants more for you and more for others. He wants more for the people that are around you, but also more for you. If you read and you, you hear those words from him, remember he's addressing the crowds. He's saying, be careful. Be careful because what they do, they're just keeping on you these expectations. Because the reality is, my hypocrisy is just going to leave others disappointed. Your hypocrisy is just going to leave others disappointed. Disappointed in two ways. Disappointed because you're going to constantly portray this life that's fake and that's false, but they think is real. They think it's attainable. They think it's something they can have. And so they constantly beat themselves up at their failure because they don't have the life that you've portrayed. They don't have the life that you pretend to have. And so they're disappointed in themselves. And then when the truth comes out about you, because the truth always comes out, they're going to be disappointed in you. Because you've presented this amazing picture of who you are. You've presented that you have it all together. You're the whitewashed tomb. It looks clean. It looks good. But inside, you're dead like the rest of us. The second thing is that Jesus, well, the reality is Jesus wants more for, your, for others. He wants more for the people around you. And he wants that because he wants you to point them to him and to his dependability, to what he can provide. And the same is true for you. When we talk about what does Jesus want for you out of this, he wants more for you. Because my hypocrisy just lets me have a fake good life. I know you go, wow, John, these are really big words you're using here. But let's be honest. That's all it is. It's just a fake good life. My hypocrisy just sets me up to be fake about who I really am. And again, how many areas of our life do we struggle with this? Even our own health, we're not willing to admit how much help we really need. How many of you avoid going to the doctor even though you know you need to? How many of you lie to your doctor when you go and see him even though he can help you? I know it's true because this was on Facebook this last week. Next slide, next slide. My favorite thing about being an adult is avoiding going to the doctor until I need to be hospitalized. <laughs> and we all laugh because it's all true. We know the help is out there. We know that it's there, but we just pretend that we don't need it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You're messed up. <laughs> let me let you in on another little secret. The people who are sitting around you right now, they're messed up. And you know all the people out there that you try to impress, all the people in your workplaces, at your schools, all the people that are all over the place, you know what? They're messed up. I don't get it. We pretend that we're not messed up, yet we all know it's true. 
We all are so afraid that somebody's going to find out who we really are. And yet the whole time they're just afraid we're going to find out how, who they really are. We're all messed up, and so we just lead these fake good lives. This is what the Pharisees were doing. I mean, when we read that verse in 33, it is such, it is such a hard-hitting verse from Jesus. How are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? It's a condemnation of them. It's a condemnation of how they're living their lives and what they expect to happen, but it's not a condemnation because Jesus doesn't have enough grace for them. It's a condemnation because in their fake good life, there's no room for his real good life. And that's what Jesus wants for you. He wants a real good life. Not one that you just pretend to have, not one that you just act like you have, but a real good life. Think about it. Where is it in your life that you struggle? Where is it in your life that you wear the masks and everybody around you thinks that that's who you are, but behind the pages, behind the pages, if we would just open ourselves up to being honest with Jesus, we would give him the full opportunity to clean us up. It reminds me of Oh, it's probably been a couple years now. Uh, my family and I, we were all at a uh, Burger King that has a playground inside. Those are lifesavers in the winter with little kids, let me tell you that. I, I will not tell you where it's located for the sake of the innocent. But we were there, and the boys had all finished eating, and they were up playing, and my wife and I were still there, and we're finishing eating. And while we're sitting there, I hear this weird sound that sounds a lot like a stream of water hitting the side of the plastic of the play structure. See why I'm not telling you where it is? <laughs> and, I, and I did the, the, the normal thing of denial, right? I go, is it raining? <laughs> Please say a pipe bursts. Please say, the Lord Jesus, is he coming back? Is this the beginning of his trumpets? What's going on right now? What's happening? But we knew. See, one of our sons was so excited to be playing that he didn't want to take the time to go potty, and so the indentation in the side looked enough like a urinal to him. So we got him to come down, and after questioning, and maybe a little more questioning, he finally admitted to what had happened, and also with a little proof, because my wife had to crawl up there and, you know, see the evidence firsthand. There are some benefits of being the big guy. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I just don't fit. <laughs> and I sat there, and I go, man, my kid did a messed up thing. My kids are going to keep doing messed up things. I do messed up things. What do I want to teach them here? So I looked at him and I said, son, I said, you're going to do some messed up stuff in your life. You're going to make mistakes. Us men, we make a lot of mistakes. Amen, ladies? Amen. Yeah, amen. So your daddy, he makes a lot of mistakes. But real men own up to their mistakes. And so you're going to march up front and you're going to tell that poor lady standing behind that cash register she has no idea how her life's about to change. <laughs> and you're, you're going to share with her what happened. And you're going to apologize because you're adding work to her tonight. So we marched up there and we stood there in the middle of the lobby. We stood there some more. Then he sat down in the middle of the lobby and then he laid down in the middle of the lobby. 
literally people walking in go, why is there a dead kid on the floor? Nobody cares. <laughs> he was not wanting to admit it. How it's so difficult to admit how messed up we are. Thankfully, there was a high chair close by, and I dragged it over, sat his butt in it right in the middle of the lobby, and I sat next to him, and we waited. The girl was sweet. She was trying to be nice. She said, it's okay. I, already, I know. It's okay. It's okay. But you are not helping. <laughs> Thankfully, the manager, a little more seasoned, walked by me and says, you're being a good dad. Thank you. She understood the value of what we're trying to teach him. Finally, he got up the courage, and he walked up to her, and he told her what happened, and he said he was sorry. Again, I think about our lives. Why is it so difficult to admit that we're messed up when we know everybody around us is messed up? If we don't admit it, guess what happens? It just hurts the people around us. If he didn't go and tell her what had happened, if we had just snuck out the back, cross my mind. <laughs> if we had just snuck out the back, it would have harmed any other kid that's gone in there, probably for life. <laughs> but it also would have robbed him of the opportunity to hear what she said. She goes, it's okay, I forgive you. To receive that forgiveness, that cleansing that only admitting how messed up can provide. Here's the reality. There is a gap between who we say we are and who we really are. That's what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy isn't that you're messed up and you admit that you're messed up. That's being real. Hypocrisy isn't that you're a sinner. Hypocrisy is saying the pages say this when they really say something completely different. There's a gap. And here's the thing, when, when there's a gap, there's nothing you can do to close it. See, there was a gap between us and God forever. There was a gap that our sin created between us and between Him. And it's a gap that continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And no matter what we tried to do, it was never good enough. Because most of it was just fake most of it was just pretending that we were better than we are. Most of it was our phylacteries. Most of it was us just saying that we were a nice, pretty whitewashed tomb. We still had the bones inside. And the gap just kept getting bigger and bigger, and there was nothing we could do to make it any better. We kept trying to show the shiny outside of the cup, and all along, really, we were full of mold and mildew and decay on the inside because we just couldn't make it work. We couldn't make it any better. And so this chasm between us and God, this gap between us and who he's called us to be, who he really are and who he desires for us to be, what he desires for us to experience, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And what we do is we try to pretend that we're perfect. We try to pretend that we can close this gap. But let me tell you, we, can't, we don't close the gap with pretend perfection. No, we only close the gap with Christ. It is only Jesus who was perfect enough, who lived the perfect life, who didn't have to pretend because he was just that good. It was Jesus who lived the life and he still died the death for us. He still said, look, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to take it for you. You deserve it. You don't even admit it, but I'm going to do it for you. And he paid that price for you and for me to close this gap and to bring us back to him. And the problem is, it's not that Jesus doesn't have enough grace for us. It's that we don't give him an opening to give us all the grace that we need. 
You don't close the gap with perfection. You close the gap with Christ. With Him reaching into your life who you really are, what you're really dealing with. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't die for the pretend you. Jesus didn't die for the fake you. Jesus died for the real you. And I think the problem is it's so hard that we've been living for so long in our fake and our hypocritical lies that we've started to believe them ourselves. And we're so afraid that if somebody gets on the other side of it, they're going to question everything about us. So we just dig, bury it down deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me tell you, folks, Jesus already knows. There's nothing that you kept from him. There's nothing that he didn't know. It's not like he crawled on that cross ignorant of what you've done. He wasn't hanging up there and going, oh, I didn't know about that one. Let me reconsider. He knew about every bit and piece of you, every messed up part of you, every messed up part of the people around you and the people that are out there who need to see not your fake perfection, but your real Jesus. Who need to see that you can be honest and we can live our lives together honestly and being open and taking off the masks. Because we have a Jesus who is bigger than and greater than and better than anything we do wrong. And he fills that gap in. He brings us back to himself. And he gives us the opportunity to continue to experience a life better than we deserve. So as we close today, here's what I want to do. I know we confessed earlier. But I feel like, I feel like maybe there are some things you left out of the game. I feel like there's some things that we even try to hide from Jesus sometimes. Because, well, I don't know if I can admit that. Or we just completely ignore it. So it's a little weird, but I'm going to ask you to, ask you to do something with me. Got your hands. I want you to visualize. You can close your eyes, but you can visualize those struggles, those sins, those things that you think you have hidden from everybody. Just imagine them in your hands. Imagine you holding the weight of all of your struggles, all of the things that you've done. Things that maybe they're following you from your childhood. Maybe they're things that nobody else has ever heard about. Things that you're terrified if someone would ever find out, they'd realize how fake you've been all along. Imagine those in your hands and grasp your hands around them. Because that's what we do when we live as a hypocrite, when we live a life that says I'm better than I am, we're holding on and trying to hide these from the world, trying to hide them from the people around us. But the scarier part is that we try to hide them from Jesus. I want you to picture that it's not just you on your own that are coming up with these things. It's not just you on your own, but no, Jesus is right in front of you. Jesus stands there and you see his face. You see the look and the expression as he looks at you and he looks at your hands. He knows what's in there. And Jesus, I ask you to hear us. Hear us as we open those right hands. We, we confess to you those things that we have been holding on to. God, hear those things. Hear those struggles that we have. Hear those hypocritical statements that we've made, those lies that we've told, how we've just set everybody up to be disappointed. And Jesus, you, you look at my left hand. I know I see it. I see you look at my left hand. But Jesus, those things have been there for so long. 
Jesus, those things have been a part of my life for so long. I'm so scared to open up my hands. I'm so scared to let those go. Lord Jesus, help me. Help us to now release even the left hand, to release it all to the Lord who loves you, who knows you, and he knows the real us. Jesus, hear our confessions to you. See the real us. Every mask is off. All the fake is put away. Jesus, it's just us. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing me. For seeing each person in this room. Not for who they pretended to be, but for who they are. And God, as we confess these things to you, God, now you see how big the gap really is, Lord. You see how mighty it is, how scared we are to admit it because the gap is so much bigger than we want to admit. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you now. We need your grace and we need your peace. We need your life to fill in the gap, to fill in the chasm that has separated us from you and the life you desire for us. Lord Jesus, hear us now. Amen. Will you please stand? Here's a great gift our God has given us. He has said, if a brother forgives you, a brother of Christ forgives you, it is the same as I'm forgiving you. So hear these words, not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm anything special, but because I need Jesus just as much as you do. Hear these words now. You are forgiven. For the sake of Jesus, you are forgiven. Not because you pretended to be good enough, but because he's good enough, you are forgiven. And you, my friends, no matter how messed up you've been or you still are, you're forgiven. This is what our Jesus wants for us. He wants the real you. He loves the real you. He needs the real you. And so do we. So church, let's take off the masks Church, let's realize the love our God has for us that is powerful beyond recognition. That is so much more than we've ever given Him credit for before. Let us praise Him because of how amazing He is as we sing this new song that was started earlier, that you heard earlier. Sing it out to Him. Nothing, nothing is bigger than His love for you. Nothing is bigger than His grace for you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you are. I don't care where, even where you're going. Jesus is bigger than it all. And He fills in the gap for you. He fills in the gap for me. Now hear this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May make his face shine upon you. The real you. The mask off you. May he look upon you with favor. See the real you and give you his peace. And when you walk out these doors after praising his name one more time, may you feel that sunshine on you, on your face, on who you really are with the mask finally off. Let's sing this out to him.